You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. When I was a little boy, my parents gave me a weapon. And what's scarier than that is they let me take it to church. And what's more, I have it with me this morning. You know what my weapon is? The first Bible my parents gave me. I have it here with me. It's my parents' name on the inside. 1985, it's got my name on the front. And this Bible is very, very special to me. And the reason I call it a weapon is because that's what God's Word calls it. We're going to look in Ephesians this morning and be reminded... That the Bible is the Word of God specifically called the Sword of the Spirit. We're going to talk about how important that weapon is. And that we use it practically in our day-to-day lives. So keeping that in mind, look with me in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. As we continue our study line by line, verse by verse, this wonderful letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians in the first century city of Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 13 and we'll read down through verse 17. I want to ask you this morning if you're physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Paul brings this letter to a close. He writes, Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and, note this, the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pause in this moment to declare once again our need for you. Lord, as we study your Word, I pray that you would move in our hearts by the power of the Spirit. 
that we would understand the word, that we would be inclined to respond to the word. Lord, I pray that we would all leave today understanding the power of the word of God. We just heard it in testimony. I pray as we study your word, we would see that clearly. And we would apply that consistently. The power of the word of God. Lord, have your way in this place. Touch hearts, change lives for the glory of King Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. You might say that the book of Ephesians is about our wealth in Christ, all the spiritual resources that are ours in a relationship with Jesus. It's about our walk with Christ, how we ought to live in in light of all that Christ has done for us. And this final passage reminds us there is warfare for Christ, that we have an unseen enemy, that we all encounter spiritual warfare. And we all need to be ready, vigilant, and we all need to put on the armor of God. That's what this section is about, the the armor of God. And there are seven pieces of armor. And the armor of God is simply a metaphor for the spiritual resources that are available to us through Christ. There's defensive armor. We talked about that in the past few weeks. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of readiness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. But the last two uh, things that Paul mentions are offensive weapons. We need to be armed defensively to withstand the attacks of the enemy, Satan. But we also need offensive weapons so we can capture ground for the glory of King Jesus. So we can move forward for the kingdom. And these last two implements are offensive in nature. We're going to look at one this week, the Word of God. And then next week we're going to talk about prayer. Weapons for our warfare. But before we start talking about the Word of God specifically, I have a few just kind of preliminary observations that I want to make from the text. First of all, notice that in this passage, the armor of God, there are defensive implements and offensive weapons, which means we're called not just to withstand Satan's attacks, we are called to go on the offensive. Let me ask you a question. Are you on the offensive for the kingdom? Are you taking enemy territory? Are you pushing back the darkness with the light of the gospel of Christ? If not, you need to pay special and careful attention to these offensive weapons that God has placed in our lives. Second observation. Notice these weapons are spiritual weapons. There in verse 17, he calls the word of God the sword of the spirit. It's a spiritual weapon. And then when he talks about prayer in verse 18, he says pray at all times in the Spirit. It's a spiritual weapon. We don't engage the enemy with our our cleverness, our aptitude, our strength. We engage the enemy with the weapons that God has placed in our hands. They are spiritual weapons. You don't want to bring fleshly weapons to a spiritual fight. 
A final observation here in this text and all across the Bible. Notice that the Word of God and prayer go together. All through the Scriptures, the Word of God and prayer are inextricably linked. You can't have one without the other. It's like peanut butter and chocolate. They just go together. Amen? Can I get a witness? They go together. And we're going to see today and next week how the Word of God and prayer are linked. How they work together. But this morning I want to focus just for a few moments on the Word of God. There in verse 17 where he says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want to talk about how the Word of God helps us. And then I want to talk about some practical ways that you and I can can wield this weapon, have this weapon effectively working in our lives and in the midst of spiritual battle. First of all, notice it's called the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, which means that the Word of God is produced by the Spirit and understood by the Spirit. The Bible teaches over in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that God gave us His Word by taking human instruments and breathing through them, so they wrote down the words he wanted them to write down. This is the biblical doctrine of inspiration, that God gave humans his word and oversaw the process. They were writing down the very words of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. It's, It's a gift of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God breathed through Paul and John and Luke and David and Moses and Habakkuk and and others, over 40 different authors, to give us what we call the Bible, the Word of God. So the Spirit produces the Word of God. And because the Bible comes from the Spirit working through human instruments, what we have here is truth with no error. This is God's Word, and it is perfect, absolute truth. But secondly, not only does the Spirit give us the Word of God, the Spirit helps us to understand the Word of God. Theologians call this the doctrine of illumination. That as we are reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of those who know Christ opens the eyes of our heart, as it says in Ephesians chapter 1. Opens the eyes of our hearts that we can see these truths, we can understand these truths, we can comprehend these truths, thus responding to these truths. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible says spiritual things are spiritually understood. You can't fully grasp the Bible apart from the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. So, the Bible is... The sword, it's a weapon, but notice the sword of the Spirit. Now let's just talk quickly about how the Word of God helps us to fight in this spiritual battle in which we are engaged. First of all, the Word of God helps us to fight against temptation. To fight against temptation. All of us are tempted. Satan is called the tempter. And one of his primary strategies is to lure us to do things that dishonor God and destroy our lives. He's a tempter, and he's good at it. 
As I quoted a Puritan, the first sermon on spiritual warfare, Satan loves to, to present the bait while hiding the hook. He loves to tempt. So when temptation comes knocking at your door, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says it will. It says temptation is common to every man. You need to remember you have the word of God to fight. In, in fact, hold your place, but I want you to turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 4. I want to show you how Jesus himself, when tempted by Satan, employed the word of God. Matthew chapter 4. The Bible says Jesus was led up by the Spirit, verse 1, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered, It is written. What does Jesus do? He quotes the Bible. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. He was quoting here, the devil was quoting the Psalms, but, but misapplying them. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. You can't twist the scriptures on me, Satan. I know the entire word of God. And then in verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. In other words, Satan is saying, Jesus, you can have glory without the cross. You can receive the worship of this world, but there's one stipulation you must worship me. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Look at the next phrase. Then the devil left him. Let's say it together. Then the devil left him. Say it one more time. Then the devil left him. How do you deal with temptation? you got to know your Bible. And when Satan lures you with with something that's twisted or false or misleading, you quote the Word of God, you read the Word of God, you apply the Word of God, and that will help you to stay on the path of truth and righteousness. The Word of God helps you to fight against temptation. The Word of God helps you to fight against sin. Against sin, against doing the wrong thing, disobeying God, not doing what God's told you to do or doing what God's told you not to do. Over in Psalm 119 verse 11, the psalmist says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. In other words, as your word dwells in me, abides in me, fills me up, it helps me to see sin for what it is and to say no to sin and yes to God. The Bible will help you to fight against sin. The Bible will help you if you are in bondage. Over in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, the Bible says Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. One of the marks of being a disciple of Jesus is walking in the word. And he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you what? 
Free. The truth will make you free. If you are in bondage to sin or to Satan or to self, if you are bound up by things that are darkness, listen to me. Get in the Word of God, and the Word of God has chain breaking power. But you got to be in the Word. Knowing the Word of God will set you free. Whatever the issue is, knowing the Word of God will set you free. But you got to know the Word of God. The Bible helps you to fight against inconsistency. Do you feel like your life is a roller coaster sometimes, spiritually speaking? You have spiritual highs and spiritual lows. You have good days and then bad days. You have, you know, uh, wonderful months and then you're down and out. And there's no consistency in your walk with Christ. 2 Timothy 3.16, I quoted it earlier. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and listen, for training in righteousness. In other words, if you will take the Bible seriously, it will help you to live a consistent Christian life. I'm not talking about perfection here, but I'm talking about a slow, steady growth in the right direction. Not a roller coaster. But an endurance race where you just keep moving forward, fixing your eyes upon Jesus, informed and transformed by the truth of the Word of God. The Bible helps you to fight against inconsistency. The Bible helps you to fight against spiritual ignorance. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul writes to his young protege Timothy, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, listen, accurately handling the word of truth. Paul's charge to Timothy was this. Know the Bible. Study the Bible. Learn the Bible. Apply the Bible. Because if you know the truth of the word of God, you will not be easily led astray by error. By falsehood, by false teachers. The Bible helps us to fight against spiritual ignorance. I find it disheartening that in 2023, in our nation, we have more easy access to the Bible than we've ever had. There are apps on our phones and in our mobile devices. You can buy a Bible in almost any store. You can go to Walmart and buy a Bible. You can order one on Amazon. Churches have shelves of of Bibles that people have left behind. I mean, there are Bibles everywhere. Everywhere. And yet there is an underlying spiritual ignorance in the body of Christ. And people are led astray by falsehood. Because they do not know the word. Finally, the Bible helps you to fight against fruitlessness. Fruitlessness. Are you making an impact with your life? Are you serving Jesus? Is God using you? Are good things happening in and through you? Are you bearing spiritual fruit? 
over in Psalm 1, the Bible talks about the man that delights in the Bible and meditates on the Bible. And it says that kind of person is like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Listen, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatever he does, he prospers. You want a fruitful Christian life where you're actually making a difference in this world? Delight in the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God. Make the Word of God a part of your daily life. And you can't imagine the stability that comes from that, like a tree planted by streams of water. You can't imagine the fruitfulness that comes from that. You say, uh, we shouldn't judge each other, Pastor Wade. Well, I, I agree with that. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. The Bible says, don't point out someone else's issue. If, if they've got a speck in their eye, you've got a log in your eye. You shouldn't put, but, but I think in the body of Christ, we can help each other be fruit inspectors. And, 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 and challenge each other. How you doing in your walk? Are you making a difference? The Word of God helps you to fight against fruitlessness. So, there's more we could say there, but but practically speaking, what does that mean for our lives? If we want to fight against these, these things, temptation, sin, bondage, inconsistency, spiritual ignorance, fruitlessness, if the, if the Word of God is a sword... How do we fight? If you look there in your notes, saturate yourself with Scripture. Saturate yourself with Scripture. I believe that's the way you use the Word of God in spiritual battle. Now, how do you do that practically? Right? I want to give you some handles to walk away with it. How do you practically live saturated with the Word of God. Well, I've given you uh, six, six quick ideas how you can begin to move in that direction with God's help. First of all, read through all of the Bible consistently for breadth. Read through all the Bible consistently for breadth. I cannot overemphasize. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. I cannot overemphasize How important it is that you have a Bible reading plan to follow. It has been the most transformative discipline in my own Christian life. Because for the last 13 some years, I've read through the entire Word of God every year. Listen to me, I'm not the same person I used to be. God has used His Word consistently as I, as I read through it and, and gain a, a sense of the breadth of the Word of God, He's used His Word to transform me. Why do you need to read through all the Word of God? Well, you see the big picture. You know, the Bible uh, was written over thousands of years by over 40 different authors, but it's just one story. Sin messed everything up, and God steps into the middle of our mess and provides a Redeemer, His Son, Jesus, who overcame sin and death so he could give us eternal life and usher in a 
a redeemed humanity and a redeemed creation. He's making everything new. That's what Jesus does. It's one story. And when I read through the entire Word of God, I'm seeing the big picture of what God is doing. And I begin to make connections from old to new and new to old and how it all fits together. And it's beautiful. And it's taken me years and years of doing that to see some of those connections. But it's changed my life. So I want to encourage you to have a Bible reading plan. Now here's the... the, the beauty of living in 2023. You can take out your device and Google Bible reading plan and you'll get hundreds. There are apps now, Bible apps, and most of those apps have a a way to set up a Bible reading plan. It'll keep track of it for you. It'll bring it up on your phone. You can listen to it on your way to work or you can read it when you have time, but it'll take you consistently through the Word of God. There are different ways to tackle it. Listen to me. I read through the Bible, uh, entire Word of God, Once a year. That's not the only way to do it. You can do it over two years. You can do it over three years. But if you're consistently reading through the Word of God, you are exposing yourself to the the entire counsel of God. You've heard me say this before, but won't it be embarrassing if you get to heaven and you meet Haggai having never read the book that bears his name? When I meet Haggai, I want to say, boy, I love the book of Haggai. We need to read the word of God. God breathes. It's a gift. The Bible is a gift. It's truth with no mixture of error. It's a sword. It's living. It's, It's alive. Able to pierce the division of soul and spirit and Join in marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Adrian Rogers used to say, you read other books, this book reads you. But you got to read it. you got to read it. Have a plan. If you need some help on that, email me. And we'll talk to you some more about that. And we can put some resources in your hands and point you in the right direction. Our D groups, they meet together and they go through Bible reading plans together. Reading during the week and coming together to talk about what God has taught them. But I can't overemphasize how important it is that you have a Bible reading plan. I read a story about a mom that read her Bible every morning. And one morning her little four-year-old daughter looked up at her and said, Mom, are you ever going to finish that book? This is one book you never finish. Amen? We just need to keep reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it consistently, comprehensively, reading all of God's Word and letting God transform us as we are exposed to the breadth of Scripture. Number two, dive deep into a passage. As you're reading through the entire Word of God, take some time to stop at a passage that maybe jumps off the page at you, a a passage that kind of really gets your attention, and and dive deep. Read it several times. Read it five days in a row. Think about it. Read it over and over again. Ask somebody what it means. Talk to somebody about it, but dive deep into a passage. Study the Word of God. Related to that's the next practical reality. Meditate on a passage. Biblical meditation 
is the exact opposite of transcendental meditation. Biblical meditation is, don't empty your mind, fill up your mind, fill up your mind with truth. Fill it up with what God says. Meditate on truth and and think about it. Chew on it. How many of you have ever read a passage in the morning, and if someone asked you at lunchtime what you read, you couldn't tell them? Raise your hand. Am I the only one? Am I the only one? Raise them high. Can you know there? Yeah, we're all in this together. Guilty. I've read a passage, read my chapter, closed my Bible, and if you asked me later on that day, I could not tell you what it said. But when I slow down and I think about it, I think about how it applies to my life, I talk to God about it, it becomes a part of my prayer life. If you ask me later on what I read that morning, I can tell you what I read. Because it goes with me. Meditate on a passage. Memorize a passage. That, again, comes from meditation. Find some verses that are helpful to you. Maybe in something you're struggling with, something you're battling with, and memorize it. Hide it in your heart. You'd be surprised how God surfaces that just when you need it most. Learn from trusted Bible teachers. You need to be in a a good church with people that preach and teach the Word of God. Learn from trusted Bible teachers. God uses Bible teachers to increase our understanding and help us to to wrap our minds and hearts around a passage and to think about how it applies to our lives. Learn from trusted Bible teachers and then learn in community. Get together with other believers with an open Bible on your lap in Bible study or D group or whatever your group is. Get together with other believers Because there's something that happens in community where you're challenging each other and the foundation of the challenge is the Word of God. It's powerful when that happens. Learn in community. And I could just keep going on and on and on and on, but here's the takeaway. Saturate yourself with Scripture. And when you do that, you are... You are taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you are using it in battle. You're withstanding the attacks of the enemy, and you're actually pushing back the enemy with your life. Saturate yourself with Scripture. Here's what I want you to walk away with this morning. We'll talk about prayer next week. They go together, inextricably linked, but... This morning, I want you to walk away with this. When you wield the word of God in spiritual battle, you will win spiritual victories. I'll say it again. When you wield the word of God in spiritual battles, you will win spiritual victories. And, and let's just be honest this morning. Some of you don't feel real victorious right now. You don't feel real victorious in your relationship with God, your Christian life. In fact, you may feel like the world or your old sin nature or Satan has gotten the best of you lately. You feel like you've kind of been chewed up and spit out. You feel weak and vulnerable and defeated. If you will saturate yourself with Scripture, you'll begin to see some of those defeats turn into victories. And you'll see the difference that a life that is holding up the sword of the Spirit can make. My parents gave me a weapon when I was just a little boy. I got to take it to church. 
Still have it. And by way of testimony, can I just tell you this morning? I can't even fathom where I would be without the truth of God's word in my life. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.